Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Dirt Radio. Organic. Friends of the Earth. Activism. Underground. Political action. Necessary. Wind farms. Indigenous struggles. Land rights. Anti-nuclear. Nanotechnology. Climate change. Coal barons. Mining magnates. Activists. Educating. Communities. Transforming. Communities. Mobilising a sustainable planet. Get involved now. Friends of the Earth. Friends of the Earth. Friends of the Earth. Dirt Radio. Hello and good morning. You are on Dirt Radio with Colin and Rebecca. We are broadcasting live from the 3CR studio in Collingwood, as usual. Dirt Radio is a show sponsored by Friends of the Earth Melbourne, so check us out at www.fo.org.au. How are you today, Colin? Yeah, I'm very well, thanks. Beautiful day, isn't it? Yeah, it's very exciting. Summer is coming. Today, we will chat about direct action, what's happening at the Liverpool Plains in New South Wales, and why there were prams at the Immigration Department. Phil Havens will be on the phone and uh, we will talk about so the Harvest Festival and the resistance from farmers against the coal industry in New South Wales. Hi Phil, how are you here? Oh, looks like he's not here yet. Okay, so just the time we're going to talk to Phil, I'm going to play a quick the 3CR response to the United Patriot Front incursion we had here in the office two weeks ago. On Sunday, November the 1st, five members of the fascist group United Patriots Front, the UPF, gained entry into 3CR and filmed throughout the building without permission. In an effort to intimidate the station and its programmers, then they posted the video on their Facebook page. The UPF also made an unwelcome visit to the Melbourne Anarchist Club on the same day. 3CR rejects these tactics of intimidation and expresses our solidarity with other groups subjected to harassment and vilification from groups such as the UPF, who are of concern because of their racist, Islamophobic and anti-Semitic beliefs, hostility to the left and capacity for violence. 3CR reasserts our commitment to progressive politics and our core mission of providing a voice to people denied a voice elsewhere in the media and in society. Affiliated with the station a diverse range of community organisations, from trade unions to housing groups to music appreciation clubs. We stand by our commitment to provide a voice for Muslims, newly arrived migrants, Indigenous people, unions, women, queers, the working class, people from culturally and linguistically diverse backgrounds and people with a disability. As such, we will continue to do what we have always done, uphold basic principles of human dignity, diversity and fairness. We call on all listeners and supporters to join us in rejecting this amateur schoolyard bullying and the politics of fear that fosters bigotry and the marginalisation of vulnerable minorities. 3CR, where diverse communities work in solidarity with each other. And hello, you're back with Colin and Rebecca on Dirt Radio. We got now Phil here. Hi, Phil. How are you doing? How are you, mate? Yeah, very well. Thank you very much. Uh, so you work with Friends of the Earth and you're also part of Frontline Action on Coal. So do you remember two weeks ago, yeah, you were at the Harvest Festival in Brisa in New South Wales? Yes, yes, that's right. Yeah, um, a group of us uh, went up in a minibus that uh, uh, up to uh, Brisa to go and stand with the local community and the traditional owners up there. And uh, 
let people know that it's really it's a national effort that is opposing this mine. So, yeah. So, like the community the, of the Liverpool Plains is organizing to to resist the creation of the Shenhua coal mine project. Yeah, that's right. So, um, so the local community have really taken the lead out there um, with the the Gomorrah traditional custodians and um, the Liverpool Plains youth, um, along with um, a few others of the smaller groups up there, really like taking the lead on this and um, put together an alliance as well, um, the Liverpool Plains Alliance, which is joined, <coughs> excuse me, joined by groups like um, 350.org, the Wilderness Society, and and Frontline Action on Coal, and amongst others. Um, really showing support for the campaign that they're going up there to stop this mega mine um, in the middle of fertile uh, agricultural lands and also like right where there's a koala habitat and also sacred sites um, that are set to be uh, moved, destroyed um, to make way for this hideous coal mine. You're creating an alliance, the same profile and same strategy you're using now that the one you used for Moles Creek and Alert State Forest? Um, yeah, so it's it's a similar um, a similar group of people. We have to remember the um, the fight against the Whitehaven Coles Moors Creek mine in the Lead State Forest is just um, 80 k's away as the crow flies from um, Breeza. So really, um, it's it's a kind of a it's, what we what we've always been saying is um, all these projects represent the new kind of um, industrialization of the Liverpool Plains. So we fear what we've seen happen in the Hunter Valley in New South Wales is is now set to happen on the Liverpool Plains, which is just unacceptable. I mean, between that and the, the coal seam gas licences that are littered across the area as well, um, we need to protect it because um, our farms are important for our future. So, Hi, Phil. How are you going? Yeah, good. How are you? Very good. So could you give us a summary of what happened on the weekend? Sure. So we uh, got up there on the Friday night. There was a, a film played, um, Black Hole, which is a documentary about the struggle that uh, went on at Moores Creek. Um, also, there were some prominent politicians like um, Jackie Lambie, an, un- an unlikely ally who was who was up there, as well as um, some of the um, Greens, local Greens, um, Jeremy Buckingham, Lee Rhiannon, um, and, uh, and Tony Windsor, the um, former independent MP were up there as well. And so there were some speeches. And then through the the weekend, we had our workshops presented by uh, people from um, uh, hydrogeology backgrounds, um, economists, uh, um, uh, biologists. um, David Paul, who um, is part of the Australian Koala Foundation, was there. And um, we also um, heard about the farms up there from um, the farmers. So we were on um, Breeza Station, which is owned by Andrew Pursehouse, and he took us on uh, tours around to look at the amazing productive land that he has. Mm-hmm. And we also had um, workshops from the Gomorrah Traditional Custodians letting us know about um, their culture and, and what's at risk with this mine if it goes ahead. Wow, that sounds amazing. Yeah, what is actually the, the farmer's mood at the moment regarding this, uh, this coal project? Um, it's really defiant, and it's. Um, I mean, from a, for me, from an outsider's perspective, it's been really great to watch the community um, come together. Um, so this is creating um, new networks in the community, um, new opportunities um, to work together, and, and notably the traditional custodians and the farmers coming together is really a beautiful thing to watch. And um, watching them pledge solidarity back and forth, like is um, it's, it's a privilege to watch that unfold. In my opinion. What is the the plan for the future? So at the moment, um, Shenhua still have a little bit of homework left to do. So they've got two bits of documentation, a water management plan and a biodiversity management plan to get into Greg Hunt, um, which uh, the federal government's already given the final, uh, given conditional approval to the mine. But um, 
it's dependent on those two documents being submitted. And then there is a, um, the mining licence needs to be um, given into the New South Wales government. Um, interestingly, um, the exploration licence, which is kind of the precursor licence to the, the actual mining licence, um, was uh, Shenhua paid three hundred million dollars to the uh, to the bed uh, to the uh, New South Wales government on um, on the success of that license, and then um, the promise is that there's another two hundred million dollars when that mining license comes through. So it calls into question, you know, like the the, the ability for um, people to make those independent decisions. So there's so much money involved. So corruption, but um, yeah, corruption. but the community is standing strong and. And you know, and um, I mean, the the words up there is uh, up there were you know like this will be you know like as big as the Franklin, um, as big as Jabaluka. This will be one of the iconic fights um, for this area. Should the government be so silly as to um, grant approvals? Great. Um, so, is the website Frontline Action on Coal the still the one to go for for more information? Um, it, it is one to go for for information, but um, I would also suggest checking out um, landwaterfuture.org. Um, they have some great resources around um, the Shenhua Watermark project and also uh, have a, um, a good blog roll on what's going on. Um, that people can also check out the Liverpool Plains Youth on Facebook. They've mm-hmm. been running a really solid uh, social media campaign um, and giving the word from the front line with frontline voices. So. Great. Well, thank you very much, Phil, for the update. We will stay with you guys. And just a quick community announcement, and we'll be back with Nicola to talk about direct action and civil disobedience. So stay tuned. Thank you very much, Phil. Bye. Thanks. Bye. Still fighting for what is ours. Climate action. Climate justice. No man know the time nor the hour. In December, the governments of 190 countries arrive in Paris to discuss a new global agreement to stop dangerous climate change. Tricia joins their discussions with a series of special interviews and analysis, starting Monday, November 16 till 28, and continuing into December. From 8 a.m. till 8.30 a.m., weekdays and on Saturdays. The warnings have been issued. If we don't hold the line on emissions... Climate change will be irreversible. Sinking so low, sinking so low. Stay tuned as Tricia Breakfast Programs join the global conversation. And you're back on Dirt Radio, a show sponsored by Friends of the Earth. You're with Colin, Rebecca, and we have Nicola Paris on the phone. She is the creator of Counteract. Counteract is affiliated association to Friends of the Earth. Counteract provides training in direct action skills, campaigning and community organising across Australia. Hi, Nicola. How are you here? Hi, how are you doing? Yeah, very well. What about you? I'm good, thank you. Perfect. So, Friends, it's pretty famous for protesting and walking the streets, but actually, in my opinion... Is not really well organized when it starts talking about strategy and efficient tactics. And when I arrived in Australia a year and a half ago, I was so impressed to see how well-trained and engaged grassroots campaigns were. I reckon it's because you've done a, a pretty good job. <laughs> <laughs> so, I don't think it's just me, but thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so, so could you tell us a bit like quickly about like when the organized civil disobedience movement started in Australia? 
Oh, I think that's definitely well before my time. Um, there, I think one thing to note would be that one of the earliest um, protests and one of the earliest environmental protests in Australia was uh, Terrania Creek, which is a forest campaign um, back in the 70s. Um, and that generation of activists, actually, uh, which is sort of up around the Northern Rivers region, <clears throat> excuse me, that generation is actually, you know, a lot of those people still live there. They still organise, um, and uh, they're, they're some of the people that are, that are helping hold together some of the really amazing movements that we've seen emerging around the Bentley blockade and such things. So there is at least a really lovely history in Australia of organised movements sort of handing lessons down, uh, even if sometimes they do, you know, some of the lessons do get lost on the way. We make the same mistakes sometimes. <laughs> Uh, there is actually a really long history of environmental activism and certainly growing up in Western Australia, mm. I was really lucky to have uh, men mentors and elders um, in the peace movement and the environmental movement there that I learned from. And I'm really grateful that I, that I sort of grew up around that because that helped me with my sort of foundational um, learning. Is it also like why you created Counteract to, to provide and to help other campaigns to, to try to grow up and to scale up? Yes, yeah, so I went up to Broome a few years ago at, at the invitation of a friend who was living up there to do some nonviolent direct action training. And it was when I did that just as a, a part-time exercise. And they invited me up when the uh, campaign in, in opposition to the industrial <coughs> gas hub that Woodside were proposing was getting into full gear. And so I went up there, I think, in 2011, uh, I think 2011, mm -hmm. and uh, did some work with the community up there, absolutely fell in love with the place, the Aboriginal traditional owners up there, incredibly welcoming, the country is stunning, the community is, is really diverse and fun and um, engaging and feisty, and so I, I really got inspired by being up there and sort of followed the campaign and went back a couple of times to help out and saw the impact that just a little bit of training and organising had on a small group of people. All they needed was just a little bit of a spark and then they, they took it on themselves. And then we had this campaign that had these incredibly skilled people rolling out these really, really impacting actions. And so that was actually a really big part of holding that campaign together and one of the reasons I believe it was. So after that, I saw the worst of that work, I guess, and then decided that I wanted to focus on doing it uh, as, in a more full-time way myself. So when did you start Counteract? And can you give us more information about this group? Uh, so Counteract, I think, formally started, I started thinking about that when I was up in Broome and went back there for a, a third trip and was up there for about six months over the wet season and uh, started that up. I decided to get in contact with Spring to the Earth to see if I could affiliate through them to have some support with their infrastructure. Um, and that's actually worked out really well, even though the government doesn't like us all very much right now and have been trying to ask us um, uh, lots of questions and put us on a spot with the parliamentary inquiry into environmental groups. Um, but from there, I um, got some got some small bits of funding, grants, um, some donations, and that's what's seen me through the last few years. So I've worked with a pretty wide range of organisations um, across the movement uh, and probably spent a great deal of that time working on sort of climate and coal related uh, campaigns to support them. Great. Um, there was an excellent action at the Immigration Department uh, last week 
a pram jam was organised to demand the release of children from Nauru Detention Centre and also the medical transfer to Australia of a 41-week pregnant Iranian woman who was having complications. We were wondering, how did you turn this protest into a direct action? Oh, that certainly wasn't my doing. I was just participating in that role uh, in a very um, support kind of function. And uh, that was for Friends, Families and Feminists Against Detention. And they uh, have done... Uh, I met with them first, uh, I think it was last year, and they've done a, a several actions there now. But I think that they had done, uh, I guess, what they would sort of call sort of stunts or, or sit-ins. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they, they moved you know, pretty much upon being requested to move. So they sort of held the space for a little while, you know, with their... um, They sort of had play-ins, actually, with the children. (laughs) And um, so the children were sort of, you know, having a great time occupying the space and the parents were looking out for them. And then I think the strength of feeling around this particular issue and just what we've seen with just some of the the absolute horror show that is the Australian detention regime, Mm -hmm. you know, with the um, people suiciding, people killing themselves, people being killed, uh, you know, women uh, being forced to go through risky pregnancies, the absolutely appalling treatment that uh, the young woman who's been referred to as Abian has received at the hands of the Australian government. Um, and I think that that's probably been a turning point for a lot of people and certainly people I know who've been involved in refugee rights campaigning for a decade or more have seen, again, an upswing in people's interest in the issue. So mm-hmm. they, um, I think that was probably what drove you know that many people to decide to stay until they were re- removed by police. And, yeah, it was quite a powerful action. Uh, and mm, as, was, you know, as people did see um, uh, Jill, who was who was there uh, at the last point and uh, decided that she wanted to keep feeding her child rather than uh, obey the wishes of the police and as such was dragged out breastfeeding, which got some international attention, which was um, which was really great in allowing her to show the, uh, the contradiction in you know people's supposed concern for her child and the lack of concern that's being shown for the children on Nauru. Yeah, exactly. So the main aim of direct action is to be non-violent? I saw the video and I found it like pretty violent the way the, the police, the cop, just like dragged this woman uh, away. Is that the normal police response during uh, this type of action? Well, I would say I think that not not all action is necessarily non-violent. I, I, I believe that non-violent direct action is, is, for me, the best way to do things in Australia at this point in time. But um, I do acknowledge that, you know, there's people living under occupation who don't necessarily have... Um, access to uh, the media and such things that I do have access to. So, yeah, just to put that out there, that I do think that people have got a, a range of different perspectives on what direct action is. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think that, what, ironically, what some of the people that were, you know, making some quite negative comments on that, on that event and, you know, feedback on my Facebook page and such, were talking about, you know, how dare these women uh, bring their children into a violent situation or yeah. put their children at risk of violence. And it, it's just quite strange logic because if you, if you look at it, yeah. no one is going to put their child in harm's way. They were completely aware of the situation they're bringing their children into and we talked that through. So the activists were very much in control of that situation and so then the only people who could potentially be bringing the violence are the police. So it does seem a little bit uh, ridiculous to... Um, 
at, at one hand, you know, be so concerned about people's welfare and to say that, you know, you should listen to the police and you should do that. On, <laughs> on the other hand, you're essentially implying that the people that would potentially be violent are the ones that are supposed to be enforcing the law. Yeah, it would be nice if people were so enraged about the children, women and men being locked up in detention centres. <laughs> yeah, and that's the basic premise of these protests, you know. That's what the, um, you know, there's a, there's a lot of um, young families and young women who are breastfeeding at these actions and, and they're doing that absolutely with the belief that, you know, why shouldn't people be as outraged about uh, this situation as they are about, um, you know, the children in the room who apparently I think just had their you know, that a really amazing Facebook page that they put up and it got mm. something like 20 or 30,000 likes in 24 hours and um, apparently they're now being um, pressured to pull it down and uh, reveal the administrators. Yeah, it's unbelievable. So how can groups or individuals be skilled up in direct action to make their protests as efficient as possible? Yeah, Nicola, are you here? So we were talking, like Nicola just jumped, so the, like, most of the question was more like how could a group or individual be skilled up in direct action to make their protest as efficient as possible. The, so maybe you could check out Nicola's website? Yes, definitely. That would be like one, one first great idea, but it's also like be really trying to empower and feeling like pretty strong that we want to escalate it. And we want to go a little bit like more further than just like holding a picket line. That's what mm -hmm. you said here in Australia. Yes. So and and not specially compelling with a, a first police order to ask you to move on and just decide to really push the border, the boundaries a little bit further. So you can check out Nicola's website. What's what's the website web? It says www.counteract.org. Dot au. And you will find all the details, support and information you need to make your own action. So on the website, you'll check it out. And if you want to help her keep training people and helping Australian people to rise up, maybe, yeah, she's definitely would be a great awesome. <laughs> definitely. <laughs> okay, quick announcements for coming events, Colin. Regarding the mass killing that happened in Paris in, a, in our country, it's hopefully sad. The Climate Change Summit COP21 is still scheduled. Right. The campaign Coal and Gas Free Vic is calling for help with the final report from the inquiry into unconventional gas due in just two weeks. We are asking you to please contact Premier Daniel Andrews. Urge him to stand with our farmers who produce our vital food and rural communities across the state by supporting a permanent ban on unconventional gas. So you can call him on 9651-5000 or you can email him or Facebook or Twitter. So that's it for Dirt Radio for another week. We'll be here next Monday, same place, same time. Dirt Radio is affiliated with Friends of the Earth Melbourne. Go to the website at www.fo.org.au and support our kick-ass campaign with a donation. Stay with Twisia for Black Block. It's coming right up. And we are now going to listen to a great direct action song by Madeline Hudson called Monster Truck. See you next week. See you next week.